We're going to continue a conversation that we're having. So let me catch up to speed because it's very, very relevant to where we're at today. Conversation we're having is simply called long story short. Here's why we're having the conversation that no matter who you are or what you believe about God, the Bible, church, Jesus, anything like that, no matter who you are, no matter where you've come from, no matter what you believe, all of us have a long story short. All of us, say it with me out loud, all of us have a long story short. You're like, what in the world are you talking about, Dan? All of us have a story through which we make sense of the world we live in. All of us do. Here's what I mean by that. All of us in this room believe we came from somewhere. All of us believe we're going somewhere. And whatever that story is, that's how we make sense of the middle. That's how we make sense of our life. Whatever we believe about where we came from and where we're going is how we make sense of our life right now today. And so even if you're here and you're like, man, this Jesus thing, I'm not sure I agree with it. I'm not sure I believe it. I'm just checking it out. By the way, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, Even if that's you, you're like, I don't know that I believe in the Bible and I'm glad you're here. You still have a long story short. The technical term is worldview. All of us have that. There's a lot of you in the room that you'd say, well, I believe in the Bible, And some of you grew up learning the Bible. Some of you learned stories in the Bible. Daniel, the lion's den, Jonah, and the big fish, all that kind of stuff. I mean, you learned all that stuff. Some of you have your favorite verse in the Bible, right? You're like, I love a certain verse or a certain several verses that are my favorite. I have them on my wall. I memorized them as a kid. And yet the truth is, the reason we're doing this series is this, is that many people engage with the Bible much like you would engage with some random puzzle pieces, If I just gave you some random puzzle pieces, but never gave you the box so that you could see the big picture on the box, you'd be like, I don't even know how to connect these pieces. I don't know the picture that I'm making. And so the reason we're doing this series and have been having this conversation, what if we look at the box? And what if we said, here's how the pieces go together? And you're saying, okay, Dan, how does that pertain to today? Because Easter can be that way. Think about it. Easter can seem like this random event, this random story, this disconnected, everybody gets excited about it, and we're not sure why they're excited about it. It can kind of seem like a snapshot in the middle of this photo album that we kind of look at, but we don't see the rest of the pictures in the photo album. And so we know basically that Easter comes around once a year. It's kind of a holiday, shows up on the calendar. We basically know the story of Easter. You know, Jesus died, rose again, all that kind of stuff, right? But we're not sure why people get all worked up about Easter because for some of us in the room, it's just this random snapshot. And because it's a random snapshot, we don't know what came before it. We don't know what comes after it. And it's not as powerful to us. Let me show you what I mean. I brought with me today a snapshot. I want to show you this. Everybody go, aw. Go ahead. Everybody go, aw. Yeah, isn't that cute? That's me, right? That's me in the front. I'm the guy with the pistols, man. I love it, right? I'm the cutest deputy this side of the Mississippi. And that's my brother in the back. His name's Keith. He's three years older than me. And this happens to be on my birthday. On my birthday, I was about your age, right up here, when this was taken, right? I was standing beside my friend up here, and I was thinking, man, I'm about his age at that picture. And so I'm showing you this snapshot because everything looks good in that picture, right? I mean, you look at that picture, there's two happy kids. Their life is wonderful. Everything's great. I bet they lived happily ever after. That boy's celebrating his birthday, got a birthday cake, got his pistols. Everything's good, right? But the problem is you don't know the rest of the pictures in the photo album, Because what I know when I look at that picture is that that picture happened on my birthday, which, by the way, is April the 23rd. 
And April the 23rd, if you don't know this, is just a couple weeks before Mother's Day. And that snapshot that you saw was taken on my birthday in the year of the infamous Mother's Day at my house. You're saying, what made Mother's Day so infamous? I'd be glad to tell you. On Mother's Day, my brother and I, we wanted to do something really, really special for my mom. We love my mom, right? And so we wanted to buy my mom a special Mother's Day gift. And we knew exactly what my mom wanted, right? We knew exactly the gift she wanted us to get her. She wanted, I don't have no idea why she wanted this, right? But what she wanted was this thing to go on our mantelpiece. And it was this beautiful centerpiece, right? It was this incredible vase that you put flowers in, and it had with it two glass swans. I don't know why she wanted that, right? And these two glass swans, somebody like, I have this at my house, I'm sorry, right? But these two glass swans, you filled with colored water. And so she wanted these glass swans in this vase because she wanted to fill those swans with this colored water. Her color of choice happened to be orange. I don't know why that was, but that's what she wanted. And so my brother and I were like, we gotta get my mom what she wants for Mother's Day. We had a problem. Problem was this, you saw in the picture, I'm like seven or eight. I ain't got no money, right? I don't know how you grew up, but I grew up this way. I didn't get no allowance, right? My dad said, just do the chores, man. Your pay is staying here, right? I didn't get no allowance, I had no money. My brother had no money. So my dad loved my mom, my dad loved us. And so you know what he did? He said, boys, I'm gonna take you so that I can pay for you to get the gift that your mom wants so that you can give her that gift. We're like, wow, that's so cool. I remember going to the store. I remember my brother and I like, there it is, that's it. We were really, really careful with it. My dad went to the cashier, we paid for it, we brought that thing home, we were all secretive, Mother's Day came. I remember like it was yesterday. We had Mother's Day lunch. It was awesome, man. It was great. But we could not wait for my mom to open the special gift. Like we were going to give her this gift. She'd been waiting for this gift. And we were so proud of ourselves, even though we didn't pay for it, right? We were so proud. Had that thing wrapped up. We brought it, placed it in front of her. My mom opened that gift. She's like, you've got to be kidding me. This is incredible. This is exactly what I wanted. And we're like, we know, Right? You boys are awesome. We know, you know, like we're feeling really good. Dad's happy. Mom's happy. We're happy. Everybody's happy. Mom has exactly what she wants. We can't wait to fill that thing up with the orange water. So we pour the orange water and then we put it on the mantelpiece. It looks awesome. It looks incredible. Everybody is happy. We were so happy. Mom and dad were so happy that I don't know exactly where they went, but they went for a walk or somewhere. They're happy, right? My brother and I, we're happy. We're together and we're saying, man, what better way to celebrate our happiness than let's go play some football. We're like, yeah, let's play some football. And I remember saying to my brother, where do you want to play some football? How about the living room? You're way ahead of me, I think. I'm three years younger than him. Did I say that? I'm like, that sounds like a great idea. Everything was going great. We're throwing and tackling and doing everything you do in football, right? As my mom's beautiful new swans were looking on. And then what happened from that point on varies depending on who you talk to. (laughs) I remember it distinctly different than my brother does. 
I remember telling my brother to go down and turn left. Instead, he turned right. My brother remembers that, Dan, you threw the ball to the wrong place. Whoever you believe, I think I'm right, but whoever you believe, here's what I can tell you happened. I remember it going in slow motion. You ever have one of those moments? I remember going back. I remember letting go. It was a perfect spiral. I'm sure of that, right? I remember my brother, instead of turning left, he went right, and the ball went exactly where I thought I told him to go. And instead of my brother catching the ball, one of my mom's new swans caught the football. Apparently, they don't make them to catch a football. I didn't know. Who knew, right? Because I remember the moment it happened, and that swan, that swan that we gave her on that day, broke into a bazillion pieces. I remember looking at my brother as that swan lay broken in a bazillion pieces and orange water all across the mantelpiece. I remember thinking life is over as we know it. (laughs) And I remember thinking, as you would, I remember thinking, what are we going to do? What in the world are we going to do? And I remember our first response, and this would have been yours, I'm sure. Our first response was this, we're going to fix it. And what better way to fix a broken swan than with duct tape, all right? And so we went and got some duct tape, and we got some scotch tape. We started taping. We were just young, and we all of a sudden realized we couldn't fix what was broken. I remember looking at the fireplace, and I'm like, oh, man, we got to clean the glass up. Maybe he won't remember there were two, but at least we got to get the orange water out of the fireplace. We got to scrub this out, and it felt like the more we scrubbed, the deeper the stain went the oranger it got. I remember thinking at that point, well, I can't fix the swan. I can't scrub out the stain. I've only got one option. I'm going to hide from my dad for the rest of my life is what I thought. That's what I did. I hid. I remember hiding and thinking, man, certainly by the time I'm 18, he'll forget about this, you know? Maybe by the time I graduate, maybe he won't come looking for me. Maybe, and I remember hiding. And I remember, maybe you've had a moment like this, I remember the moment it happened because I remember exactly how it sounded. When all of a sudden I heard, Dan, I'm like, wow, that's dad's voice. Dan, where are you? I wasn't coming out. Dan, where are you? My brother said he's in there. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't funny then, but... I remember looking at my dad, the one person that I didn't want to see, the one person that I was hiding from, the one person that I did not want to see at that minute. And I remember him looking at me and saying, Dan, what happened? And I remember, and don't judge me, you'd have done the same. I mean, what do you mean, Dad? (laughs) He said, what happened downstairs? I said, what are you talking about? Right? Some of you looking at me judgmental. Don't do that, all right? Because I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, Dad. He said, Dan, there were two swans, there's one now. And there's this big orange stain on the fireplace. He said, Dan, what happened? I said, Dad, I'm sorry. I do know what happened. And Keith did it, is what I said, right? (laughs) You'd have done the same thing, right? I began to blame my brother. My dad continued to question me until I broke. I remember breaking. I remember looking at him and saying, I did it. Dad, I'm the one that threw the football. Dad, I I threw the football. It hit the swan. It hit the swan that mom loved. It hit the swan that you paid for. It hit the swan that we gave her. Dad, I'm sorry. 
I broke the swan. I created the stain. Dad, I tried to fix it. I can't fix it. Dad, I tried to clean it. I can't clean it. Dad, I don't know what to do. I remember my dad talking to me, and I needed to be honest. He weren't happy at first, right? He's like, why don't you playing football in the living room? I'm like, I don't know. It sounded like a good place to play football, you know? He's like, Dan, what you did, you broke the swan. We can't fix it. Dan, you created the stain. We can't clean it. I'm like, I know, Dad. I'm sorry. Dad, please forgive me. I remember the moment that my really good day went to a really bad day, and I remember, stay with me on this, the moment all of a sudden it went to an amazing day. Because I remember my dad looking at me, the one person that I was hiding from, and I remember the moment it dawned on me that the one person I was hiding from was the only person, stay with me on this, that could help me. Because I remember my dad looking at me and saying, Dan, how in the world are we going to fix this? I'm like, I don't know. I tried. Duct tape doesn't work. And I remember him saying to me, Dan, there's only one way to fix this. And he said, we got to get in the car. And we drove to the store. And I remember my dad reaching in his wallet. By the way, did I tell you I didn't have a wallet? I had no money. I couldn't fix it. I couldn't pay for it. And I remember my dad paying the cashier money for that swan that we took back and placed on that mantelpiece. You see, there's something about that little crazy random story in my life, a snapshot that had some context that helps me understand Easter and the power of Easter. Because the truth is this, is that some of us in the room, we like know the story of Easter. We know people get all excited about Easter. We know the basic elements of Easter, but the power of Easter somehow escapes us And for some of us in the room, it seems foolish. For some of us, it seems random. For some of us, it seems routine. And the power never pops. In fact, a guy named Paul says it this way. He says that the message of the cross is foolishness to some people. But to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And the truth be told, for some of us in the room, it just seems like a random story because somehow we've never placed the story in the bigger context of God's story And this whole thing of Jesus dying and why are people getting all excited about that and Jesus being buried and why are they getting all excited about that only makes sense when I place it in the context of this greater story. Otherwise, I'm left with a snapshot of Easter. And the greater story, God's story is this, is that in the very beginning, there was a God who had no beginning. That's how the story of God starts. And he created, he spoke and everything we see came into existence. And when he spoke and created, he spoke and created with beauty and brilliance. He created with design. It made perfect sense. Everything integrated together. He created and he spoke and he was like this composer with this orchestra. Everything had rhythm and everything had cadence. And then he created and then he evaluated and he said, it's good. And then out of his love, he creates man And he said, that's very good. And he gives to the man this gift, this brilliant, this beautiful, this designed, this perfect, this integrated gift. And he said, I'm giving you this gift so that not only can you enjoy and care for this gift, but I want you to multiply this gift. And the story of God says that in this moment of decision, not long into the story, the creation decides not to trust the creator. And all of a sudden, man, given this gift, breaks the gift. All of a sudden, man, 
mistrust the creator and all of a sudden man sins and man is a sinner. And all of a sudden what was beautiful is broken. All of a sudden what made sense is confused. All of a sudden the relationship that man had with God is ruined. Instead of walking with God, all of a sudden now man is hiding from God. And the rest of the first part of your Bible is of a God who is just like my dad, coming after the people who've turned their back. Just like my dad, he's calling. You read the rest of the Old Testament, and he's calling and he's calling and he's calling until the Old Testament comes to an end. I know it's a confusing part of the Bible. When it comes to an end, God's people had run so far, they had run away so far, they ran right into captivity. And when the New Testament opens, it opens with this baby whose name is Jesus who grows up to be this incredible teacher, this healer, this incredible teacher and healer who perfectly represents what God is like. But then the story takes a twist and they take this incredible teacher and healer and after they said, here's our king, they began to cry crucify him and they laid him across a cross and they killed Jesus. It's at that point, the long story short of God comes to a hinge And that's where we find ourselves today. This snapshot only makes sense when I see it against the backdrop of all the drama of what God is doing in the world. And in Romans chapter five, he takes that snapshot and he says, do you wanna know why today matters? Do you wanna know why today pops? Do you wanna know why today is significant? Do you wanna know why it ought to matter to you? Because in Romans five, he gives us some understanding about the cross. And here's what he says. When we were utterly, say that word out loud with me, everybody together, helpless. I did a little research because that's what I'm paid to do, right? I did a little research and I dug into that word helpless and I dug into it and went back into the original language and that word helpless, here's what it means. You ought to write this down. That word helpless means helpless. That's exactly what it means. It means I cannot help myself. That word means powerless. Here's what that means, that when you get to the cross, it's realizing that the power of the cross, the significance realizes that there's something broke I can't fix. There's a stain I can't rub out. There's a relationship I cannot repair. That's what that means. It means that literally inside of each of us, all of us are part of this story. There's something broken that I cannot put back together. In fact, the word means powerless, it means weak. I've heard people say this, maybe you're one, I don't know, and I'd love to converse with you. I've had people say to me before, you know, Christianity's a crutch. You ever have somebody say that to you? Christianity's just a crutch. And here's my response, and I would say this to you, here's my response, Christianity's not a crutch. Christianity is not a crutch. Listen to me, Christianity's a stretcher. Because a crutch assumes that I have the ability to help myself some. What he's saying is, I'm helpless. I cannot fix what's broken. I can't rub out the stain. I cannot repair the relationship. And when we were utterly helpless, here's what it says. Christ came a-looking. Like like Christ coming at just the right time is God showing up and saying, I'm going to pursue even the ones who have broken what I've given them, even those who have a stain they can't get out, even those who have ruined a relationship. I'm coming after them. So when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time, and guess what? He died for, what's that word? Everybody say it out loud with me. For what? Us sinners. Isn't it interesting? I want you to hear this. 
on Easter 2019, it doesn't say them sinners, does it? You see, here's what I know. I've lived long enough to know this, and you have too, that it's easier to see the sinner in somebody else than it is to see the sinner in me, right? It's just easier to say them sinners, those people over there, and what he says is us sinners, that the power of Easter is realizing that we are us, that includes you and me. I'm gonna tell you something. You ready? I'm gonna just tell you something. The st- everybody listen, I don't wanna be misquoted. The power and, of the story of Easter makes no sense to people who think they are basically good. It's foolish. It's foolish. If I'm basically good, there's nothing really wrong, God's just kind of kind of rub off some dirt and I think the power of the story of Easter is no, no, we're sinners. Can, can, you don't even have to agree with what I'm saying right now but I'd love for you to hear me out because I think there's something inside of all of us that knows there's something broke. There's something inside of all of us that knows there's something off. There's something inside of all of us that knows there's a stain we can't get out. There's something inside of all of us that knows that we're not totally at peace with God because people, when they're coming to the end of their life, most people that I meet say, I wanna make my peace with God. There's something inside of all of us that knows there's something wrong. And can I just say this, the guilt you you feel is really real. Can I just say that? Like, well, thanks, Dan. Happy Easter to you too, right? But the guilt you feel is really real. And it's not a subjective feeling as much as it's an objective reality. And here's what I know. The, the guilt you feel, the, 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 what you feel inherently inside of you, what you feel is real. And it's a result of something. Think about this. When you go to the doctor, you don't want him to somehow cover up your feeling so that you just feel better, Right? I, I don't want that. I don't want to go to the doctor and say, man, I'm feeling kind of rough. There's something wrong. And for him to look at me and say, hey, let me just give you some medicine to take the pain away. I don't want to go to the doctor and I don't want him, him to say to me, hey, listen, Dan, you think you feel bad. You're not near as bad as someone else. I don't want the doctor to explain my feeling away. What do I want the doctor to do? I want him stay with me. It'll make Easter pop different for you. I want him to fix the problem. See, the power of Easter is this, is that God sent Jesus not to sit in a counselor's chair so that we'll feel better about ourselves, not to somehow write a self-help book so like, I can get better at that. He sent him to die on a cross because the problem is the sin inside of us. Which makes the rest of this kind of fascinating because says now most people wouldn't be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But look at this, but God. Aren't you glad God's different than most people? But God. That God is different. But God what? But God showed his great love for us. Everybody look here a second. That this story of the cross, this story of Easter, unless you look at the cross and see God's radical explosion of love, you're missing the point that the cross is God's radical explosion of love for each of us in this room. Here's what he's saying. He's simply saying this. Some of you grew up in church and, and you learned a saying, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. I want to teach you a new one. Jesus loves me and the cross shows me so. You see, that's the power of Easter, that literally God loves you. 
look here a second. I don't know what some of you came in here thinking about God, but I want to tell you something. You might have thought he's angry with you. You might have thought he gave up on you, and he's been chasing you. And the story of Easter is this. God wants you to know in no uncertain terms, I love you. Not just a little bit. Not like, hey, bud, love you, brother. I love you to the cross. It says this, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. Here's the power. The power of the story of Easter is this. The one who is dying on the cross is the only one who could pay the debt. He's the only one. He's the only one who could pay the debt because he's the only one who ever lived perfectly and he's dying for all of us who didn't. And the power of the cross is this, is that he's dying in our place, that God is substituting himself in our place. Let me say it this way. Let me say it this way. The one some of us, let me say it with kindness and love, the one some of us, you ready? The one some of us in this room are hiding from is the only one who can help us. He's the only one who can help us. I love the way a guy named John Stott says it. He says, the essence of our sin is man substituting himself for God, while the essence of salvation is God literally substitutes himself for man. Man puts himself where only God deserves to be, and God puts himself where only man deserves to be. You see, here's the deal. He says there's something broken. There's something we can't fix, can't scrub out, can't repair. And that's why he sent Jesus, and he did that because he is pursuing, preoccupied, loves us, wants to repair, wants to have relationship, wants to reconcile with us. And the only one who could do that was Jesus, which makes fascinating how it goes. He says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. Everybody say this in yellow out loud with me as a choir. Here we go. While we were still Sinners, that's good news for some of us in the room. You know why? Because there's this understanding in our culture that I gotta clean myself up before God can clean me up. I gotta somehow get myself a little better before God can make me who he wants me to be. I gotta somehow get more religious then God can do some work with me. We have this feeling somehow that I gotta get cleaned up before God can clean me up. I gotta get fixed up before God can fix me up. It kind of reminds me, raise your hand in the room if you have a dishwasher in your house. Raise your hand. Anybody? Nice and high. I feel bad for those of you who don't, right? But uh, I grew up not having one, right? Not having one, but we have one now. I'm thankful for mine, right? Thankful for our dishwasher. Last night, we celebrated Easter at our house. So we had the family over, right? Big Easter, and, and my wife went all out, right? So we didn't use paper plates, right? We had all the dishes out there, and so here's the deal. I made the mistake before I looked at the utensils and the plates and all that, say, hey, I'll help with the dishes, right? Okay, paper would have been good, but I said, I'll help. My, my daughter's in town. We're going to do the dishes, so we get done eating supper last night, and we're going to do the dishes, and there's something interesting happens, right? Because my daughter and I are doing the dishes. We're gathering up all the dishes because we're going to take them to the kitchen because we got a dish washer, and so we got all these dirty dishes, and so we're going to put the dishes in the dish washer. Problem is, my daughter says, stack them up over there. And I'm like, okay, we're going to put them in the dishwasher. She said, no, before we put them in the dishwasher, you have one like this, we got to first what? We got to clean the dishes off. Anybody that doesn't make sense to raise your hand. That is crazy to me. I'm like, I thought we had a dishwasher. She said, we got to wash them, and then we're going to put them in the dishwasher. Listen, listen, listen. Listen, when it comes to God, he's going to take you just as you are. He's going to take you just as you are. And he said, I'll start right there. 
while you were still sinners, while you were in the manure, the, the grime, the dirt, the brokenness, while you were there, that's when Jesus died for you. It's just fascinating because he goes on and he says this, and since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, everybody look here a second, you know what, that assumes something was wrong. That there's something broke we can't fix. There's something wrong. And so we've been made right in God's sight. He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Like the power of this story is like there's something broke. There's something I can't scrub out. There's something that's ruined. And I'm responsible. I'm the one to be held responsible. And there's something about the power of Easter that says this, that He is the one who makes right what I broke. He is the one who somehow scrubs out what I made dirty. He is the one who repairs what I ruined. Have you ever thought about this or not? My guilt, think about this. My guilt, as far as I can tell, don't quote me on this, is the one problem God had. That's interesting on Easter. What do you mean, Dan? Think about it. God is an all-powerful God. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let there be stars. Boom, stars. Sun, bam, sun. Moon, bam, moon. Dan sinned. Why in the world couldn't God say, let Dan be forgiven? Boom. It's the one problem he had. You know why it was a problem? Because God as a holy always does the right thing, God. And he's like, for me to simply do that would be somehow be contrary to who I am. And so there's got to be a solution to what's wrong in Dan. There's got to be a solution to the sin in Dan. There's got to be a payment. There's got to be something done. And here's the story of Easter. He said, I'll pay that. I'll pay that. And the reason I'll pay that, everybody lean in, we're almost done. Everybody lean in. The reason I'll pay that is because I will die to have a relationship with him. That's what it says next. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, look at what it says next. We will certainly be saved through the life of his son. God says this, I'll pay for what's broken, because I want to repair what's ruined. I want to have a relationship with you. And the thing that makes that possible is the fact that the cross is empty and that when Jesus paid the price, the check didn't bounce. You see, that's the long story short of the Bible. That's the photo album that this snapshot called Easter fits into, that we have a creator who gave us this beautiful, brilliant, I want you to pass it on to others gift. And we dropped it. And it's broken. And now there's something broken inside of all of us. And all of us inherently know that and we cannot fix it. And God said, I'll do what's necessary to fix it. The one that we're hiding from, he's the only one who can help us. The story of the Bible is that this great artist of heaven sees the mess that we've made on the canvas of his creation. He said, I'll spill my blood to make beautiful what they made a mess. The only one who didn't owe a debt, he's the one who paid a debt for all of us who did. 
And that's what makes today significant. You see, there's something else, and I'm going to invite the band to make their way out, and we're going to sing another song, and we're going to be done. But there's something else in Romans 5 that I want you to see. Because it's significant. He says this. Look at this in yellow with me. He says, so now. So now. You're like, was that a really big deal? So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God. Because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Everybody look here and then we're done. He says, right now, we can rejoice in a new relationship with God. You know why that's important? You know why that's important? Because some of you this Easter 2019, you know what? You know something's broke, and you're trying to duct tape your life together. You're trying to duct tape your life together, and you know, you came in here knowing it's not working. The reason that's important is because some of you came in here today and you're like, I know there's something, there's, I feel guilty and dirty, and I'm trying to scrub it out. If I can go to church, if I can just do better, if I can, and the more you scrub, the deeper it seems to go because the problem's not outside, it's inside. And there's some of you, just, just listen, I'm glad you're here. There's some of you, the very one you're hiding from the very God that you're hiding from, the very God that you're trying to make everybody else think everything's good on the outside, the God you're hiding from, you ready? He's the only one who can help you. Because he's the one who said, listen, I paid to repair what was broken. I'm the one who paid with my own blood to clean what was dirty. I'm the one who came so that I could restore what was ruined, a relationship. In this Easter, you're not here by mistake because he says right now you can enjoy that new relationship. You can quit hiding from God. You can quit trying to duct tape your life together. You can quit trying to scrub out what you know is going on inside. He said, I just want you to receive what I offer right now this minute. Some of you are in the room and you know, you, you, you've said yes to Jesus and you're like, I'm off the hook this Easter. Not so fast. Because when I look at that passage, if we could throw it back up there in Romans 5, he says, so now we can, everybody say that word out loud with me, rejoice. Some of you have said yes to Jesus. Can I ask you a question? Where's the joy gone? Where's the joy gone? Where's it at? You're like, what do you mean, Dan? Like, like, some of you have said yes to Jesus, and you're the crankiest person in your family. Don't look around. He said, we can rejoice. We can rejoice when we realize the power of the snapshot of Easter because we can rejoice in the fact that what was broken, he fixed. What was dirty, he cleaned. And what was ruined, he restored. That's the power of Easter. And he's like, we can rejoice because we have a relationship with God and this God that we broke, what he gave us, says I'm going to pay to restore it so that we can be friends. That's mind-blowing. 
So God, I pray this morning would be the morning that some in this room would walk out of the grave, so to speak, out of their brokenness, out of this feeling of guilt and and dirtiness, out of this hiding from you life into the only place they can find help, into the only place they can find what is broken to be repaired, what is dirty to be cleaned. So some of you right there in your seat, maybe it's your chance right now to say yes to Jesus. God, I think you love me. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm broken. I know there's guiltiness and dirtiness inside of me. And I want to say yes, Jesus. I believe you died in my place for my sin. And I want to say yes this Easter 2019. I want this to be my now. You prayed that prayer. I'd love to hear from you somehow. And there's a lot of you in the room. You said, I've said yes to Jesus, but somewhere along the way, you've shut the door on the joy. And maybe this Easter 2019 is for you to walk into the living hope that brings joy. Maybe this is the Easter, the moment that that snapshot begins to pop and you walk out of the darkness and into the light. You walk into the joy that you have in Christ, the salvation, the freedom, being part of his family, the hope, the promise, the purpose, the power, the victory. Because that's the power of the snapshot of Easter. So God, I am so grateful you don't leave us where we're at, but you find us, you chase us, And you chased us right to your own death so that you could have a relationship with us. Thank you for loving us this morning.